Hey travelers, as we're speaking right now, there's multiple volcanic eruptions happening in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. In this special episode, I'll be sitting in with our founder Asher, a native of St. Vincent, about his memories on the island, what's happening on the island right now, and what our listeners can do to better help this emergency. Thank you for your support. Stay tuned. And welcome to Young Black Travelers Podcast. So we're here with Asher once again. <laughs> I hope you didn't miss us too much. We missed yeah. you guys. We did miss you guys. But <laughs> this is this is gonna be a very special episode. Very yeah. hit hard, like hit home type of episode. Um, because right now it's there's an emergency happening. There's an emergency mm-hmm. happening in Simbesa and the Grenadines, and our founder who is so passionate about having youths travel, you know, yeah. it's very important to be socially conscious of what's going on when you travel. And, yeah. you know, just having him, you know, have this be his culture, be his family, you know, um, it, it's very important to have this recording done. Uh, so I'm just going to have him as a guest once again, just to talk about, you know, SBG, St. Vincent the Grenadines, uh, what it was like, um, how the volcano was before, how he feels about it, or what people can do to help out, um, mm. and and other people who are also on the front lines helping out as well, just to give awareness, right? Uh, so jumping right on into the main conversation, um, Asher, which part of St. Vincent <laughs> and the Grenadines are you from? And what was your childhood like there? Yeah. Um, and, and, and Chrisanne, before I guess we go further, you know, I, I want to say thank you all for listening to the Young Black Travelers podcast. I think, you know, just it, it's great to have you all just continuously tune in. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially a topic like this is extremely important because as Chrisanne talked about how it's important for us as travelers to be socially conscious and socially responsible and be social and be aware. Um, because, you know, I think a lot of times, especially when we look at history, the reason why a lot of things were so bad, according to, you know, just how different, you know, different races treated each other, or even when we talk, when we look at oppression, mm-hmm. it's simply because people either didn't care, they, they didn't know and all of these things. So understanding that's in Vincent and the Grenadines, a beautiful island in the Caribbean, um, mm. has a volcano and has a volcano that was 40 years, over 40 years dormant. It was sleeping. That means it did not show activity in over 40 years. But the volcano obviously was still very much active, obviously, yeah. <laughs> because right now it has blown. Um, but to answer your direct question, um, I am from the village of Chateau Belair. Um, Chateau Belair, I know too many of you, it sounds French. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in St. Vincent, it's interestingly, the history will tell you that St. Vincent for a short time was ruled by the French. Um, the British um, came in and colonized um, the French, basically. You know, yeah, the British came in and they colonized it. Um Obviously, it was the British who were more brutal against the um, the Native Americans, the Garifuna people who mm-hmm. were there. Um, so when you hear names like Chateau Belair, it's because of the French history of St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Um, I remember growing up, we used words or we said words like Zaboka. Mm. Um, I never called avocado avocado i called it a zabuka really and zabucada wow. yes zabuka do you still Zabu- call it that do you still yeah, call I it still, oh, wow i still call it zabuka uh because and maybe that was in my vi- because other people call it avocado and other people call it pear they call it different names mm-hmm. but i know in my village a lot of the times people and again chateau is probably french so it makes a little sense right right um People, they, that was a French word I know, um, and Chateaubelair is a French word. Um, so yeah, Chateaubelair is is one of those villages that is closest to La Soufre on the um, 
west side of St. Vincent. So it's north leeward. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the closest village. So that's why Chateaubelair was evacuated um, because Chateaubelair is in the orange zone. Um, yeah. Oh, so they have zones. I know when it comes to New York, there's zones for storms. So it's like uh, zone one, two, and three. So usually red, orange, yellow would be like red and orange would be like danger zone basically so mm-hmm. then they will have to evacuate i guess into like green or yellow zones i don't know how it works yeah yeah so the zones yeah it's exactly what you said um we have um red zone which means it's it's dangerous um it's the most dangerous and then we have the or- the orange zone which is also very dangerous the reds, the difference between the red and the orange zone is that the red zone villages, which are on the eastern side of the island, um, the eastern side of the island, those villages are literally, you could say they're on top of, not on top of the volcano, because when I say on top of the volcano, you're going to think that they're <laughs> really on the volcano. But those villages are literally at the foothill of the volcano. On the western side of the island where Chateaubelair is, there are some sorts of mountains or hills that could separate, um, you know, these villages. Um, but on the western, on the eastern side, a lot of them are closer. So literally, if the, and we'll talk about those things later on, if let's say lava flowed, lava could affect those villages directly. So right. they are really literally like right there because if you would have ever gone to the volcano as a tourist attraction when you visited St. Vincent, visiting or climbing it from the Georgetown side, mm-hmm. which is on the eastern side of the island, is the easier climb. Literally, there are steps and you walk up. That will probably take you about an hour. But climbing it on my side of the island, the west, the western side, it's probably where the slope is, the highest slope is. Mm-hmm. And that's a more um, difficult climb. Um, which could take you hours. So, yeah. Wow. Wow. So, <laughs> I'm guessing Chateaubelair, um, I guess you look pretty close since you're in the orange zone. So, mm-hmm. lava could enter in those towns. That's what you're saying. Yes. Um, well, so, l- l- lava could enter, but I think because of the way that Chateaubelair, where Chateaubelair is and even Fetus, which is probably the last inhabited village because there's Chateaubelair and Fetus, there are mountain ranges. There are, there are some mountains or hills, let me say hills, mm. that if there were lava, it would be quite difficult for um, lava to get there. I mean unless it's like really uh, an, an exuberant amount of lava. Um, but it's easier to for lava, if there were lava flows, to to happen on the west, eastern side. And that's oh. why those are red. Oh, okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So I'm going to keep it a little lighthearted. Is there any like memories that you have um, while living in St. Vincent um, maybe it involves being around the volcano when it was dormant or any other uh, fond memories that you you had so far? Yeah, um, of course. I, I I think I've said this a few times that, um, not on the podcast, but I've said it to a lot of people. You, literally, the volcano where I lived in Chateau Belair, I lived close to the ocean. Um, and, you know, even when I go back to visit family, especially where my grandmother live, um, where my father has his house and where my um, grand, well, both grandparents live. You could, you're, you're, you're basically seeing the um, ocean. So you're literally right by the ocean. So you hear the ocean and you feel the ocean breeze, but also you're not only seeing the ocean. So obviously when hurricane season come, hurricane is a threat, right? For mm-hmm. those places, though we weren't necessarily like underground ground. Um, but, so water could be a threat, but it's also a very beautiful thing. Um, but then in my view was also the volcano. Mm-hmm. Um, so the mountain view of the volcano was a thing for us. Um, growing up growing in, in, in my school, I knew we learned about the volcano. We learned 
that it is dormant. Um, we learned when the last time that it erupted was, um, which was 1979. Mm. Um, and before that was 1902. Mm. So they, they tell you about the volcano. Um, and of course, many people who are my age um, and a little bit older than me, um, because the people who would have experienced the last eruption would have been my father's age you would have had to be about 40 years old right. 40 years old currently to have been in the 1979 eruption um so most of us who are below let's say 45 would have never um experienced the volcano eruption but it is something if you lived in chateau Belair, um lived on the leeward end of the island north leeward end of the island mm. you would you would see the volcano, know about the volcano, especially again if you lived on the north leeward end of the island. Wow, so mm -hmm. that's interesting because, I mean, again, being an American, I am. <laughs> uh, I would think about history as presidents and maybe like wars and stuff, but having your the geology of your place being that integrated into your mm. history to the point where you're young and you're learning about volcanoes and stuff. You know, those are things that are, you know, trivial science that you need to know for a test, but it's never <laughs> like a, um, it's never like information that would be useful would or helpful. You, right? Yeah. That would affect <laughs> you. Right. Um, so we don't think about like those things. So it's, it's very yes. cool that cool and interesting, beautiful and frightening that, you you have this beautiful scenery on something that is so dangerous but so like apparent and especially in St. Vincent the volcanoes yeah. is basically <laughs> the island <laughs> mm -hmm. and everything kind of teeters down if you were to just take a pause and look at a map um, but yeah. that's, that's that's very interesting how your memories yeah. like kind of revolve around the, the actual landscape of the island which is mm -hmm. And again, it. you know, but, but but when you think, when we think of history and when we think of just like how we should teach history, especially when we, I think in our podcast, we've talked about black history and we, you know, we talk about um, African-American history. We, we, we are very careful in when we talk about it from the American perspective, because we, 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 we know that, let's say, a British perspective would be quite different. And also the, an island perspective of black history Though we're all black, will be different. So it, the same goes when we talk about history and what is taught in school, especially. They, they'll teach you what you kind of need to know. St. Vincent, we know, as you pointed out, is a volcanic island. And because it's a volcanic island and they know these things could affect people, it has to be part of the history as to um, what happened, you know, right. and all of these things. Though I would also add that generally, I think in the island, and I've I've talked to this, I've talked with, talked to my aunt about this a few times when I said to her and she's, she's echoed the fact that honestly, a lot of Vincentians, a lot of Vincentians who do not live close to the volcano would forget about the volcano, right? Because right. again, it, it hadn't erupted in over 40 years. We are talking about um, decades past before the volcano has erupted. So if this thing is not necessarily in your immediate view, yeah, you're learning about this in school, yeah. <laughs> but you don't see this thing every day. Well, yeah, <laughs> you're gonna, you're, it's gonna be a distant memory, especially after you get out of school. So I could imagine a lot of those people who live on the southern end of the island, right. who live in the green zone, mm. a lot of them would forget about it, or it's not something that they even think about daily. But a thing, but for a person like me and those people who live in the red zone, mm. if they actually live in volcano view, they, I mean, there's no way you could forget about La Souffre. Right. <laughs> it's always in the back of your mind, literally in the back of your mind. Exactly. <laughs> so I think it's a good time to take a small pause, just a small mm -hmm. one. And then when we come back, we're going to resume and focus more on that, the event itself, you know, the, the eruption, well, how you feel about it, and, and what people can do. So yeah. stay tuned. Don't lead too far. 
Don't leave. Don't, don't leave too far. <laughs> and we'll be back after the break. All right. <laughs> So soon? <laughs> yes, so soon. We we couldn't <laughs> wait. You know, I hope you, you you took a little break. You're on your walk, wherever you are. Mm. Just thank you for tuning into this impromptu special episode. Um, we are greatly appreciating this that you're taking the time to learn more about someone who firsthand has lived in the island and just mm. seeing it from like basically the outside looking in, but. I'm curious, have you ever have you ever feared about the eruptions before this event or uh, while you visited the volcano, if at all? Was that always was that in the back of your your mind since you're coming from um, the west side? Yeah. Um have I ever feared, you know, I, I left the island when I was about twelve years old. So okay. um I would say I can't remember a lot about my fears, but I do know that, you know, be, being so close to the volcano, it's something you obviously, as I said, think about. So mm-hmm. I can't remember if I was like, you know, f- extremely fearful about it, but it's something I know that's in the back of my mind. Visiting the volcano. Um, and yeah, I, I visited the volcano, I think back in 2013. Mm. Wow. And that was the only time. Yeah. The only time I've, I've, Climbed it. So literally on St. Vincent, visiting the volcano is a tradition around Easter time. Hmm. So, you know, when things get back to normal and we, we're crossing our fingers that normalcy will resume <laughs> soon. Yes. In many aspects, you know, we have COVID going on and we also have the volcanic eruption. So, But when COVID subsides and when the volcano stop erupting, mm-hmm. we're hoping that and the volcano will look very different. Right. Um, that, you know, that will probably be a thing that people are going to start doing again. So um, visiting the volcano is a thing that Vincentians do around Easter. They um, So that's when I visited it, when I traveled home, I think back in 2013. Mm-hmm. And um, it wasn't a fear that it was going to erupt because, <laughs> you know, honestly, I yeah, I just never really thought about it, you know, mm-hmm. even at that point. Um, and so this tradition had even gone on even before like recent. So um, people like my father uh, and aunts and people who are older will tell you that, you know, before the 1979 eruption, mm-hmm. a lot of them would remember going to the volcano and um, there was water in the crater mm-hmm. and it, it had this huge lake. Um, and honestly, I wouldn't have known how that feeling or what that looks like until I went to Ecuador and um, we posted that picture on Young Black Travelers yes. um, and saw that beautiful lake. I'm I'm sure that lake in Ecuador is just like phenomenal, gorgeous, yes. but that lake had been there for over 600 years. Ooh. But La Soufriere obviously was only there for about 70 something years because the eruption happened in 1902 and then erupted again in 1979. So it was there for, you know, not 600 years. So it didn't have that time to like grow into that splendor like these lakes in um, Ecuador is. Mm. Just telling you how how active this volcano is, right? Yeah. Um, So yeah, but it's a beautiful site. And the last time I went, I honestly didn't necessarily fear. Wow. So... Hearing about that, you live to see the eruption now, listening to history and stuff and and never really fearing it. But now it's a reality. Um, how do you feel about it now? Um, how you've been coping, you know, being on the outside looking in and not in the island experiencing it. Uh, so Ooh, how you, that, how you feel about it happening now? That's a great question, Chrisanne. Um, and I, I, what I would say is I think for me, I, it's surreal mm. because I think, as I said earlier, um, even though I lived close to the volcano, I see the volcano, volcano every day when I lived on the island. And I drew the reference of people who lived in the south of the island and probably don't see the volcano. 
and would forget about it. I would say many Vincentians because of the time period, 40 years. And we think about generations. I don't know how the, the generation after 1902 or even before 1902 re- reacted. Did they ever think it was ever going to erupt? Right. Because we do know, um, based on history, what I read, what I've read about the volcano, we know that um, according to National Geographic, I think one of those um, who published an article talked about how the volcano, the natives who lived on the island necessarily didn't settle right in the north where we are, mm-hmm. where I would have lived because they know the activity of it. So I'm assuming they probably <laughs> knew a lot more of the eruption than we did and they were smarter right. than we were. But also that article that I read um, talked about how it was when the British came and it was colonialism and, and slavery and all. Well, St. Vincent have a lot they, they didn't have a long stint of slavery. It was a lot, right. basically, colonialism and all of that. But it was it was when colonialism happened and the estates being settled within the northern end of the island mm. um, because those were where the plantations were and all of those things. And then, you know, after um, the colonial era, people settling there, they, they, they stayed close to the volcano right. um, because it's in a lot of these areas that it's more fertile. Mm. Um, so... To be quite frank, I can't, I, I, maybe years past people were thought about it more, especially obviously the Indians and the native thought about it a lot because they didn't live there. Right. Um, but I would say for, for the generations now, a lot of people would have forgotten about the volcano. It's been over 40 years. So True. you're kind of like, you're not thinking that you're, even though you see it every day, you're not thinking, oh, Sufra is going to erupt today. Right. You know, so that's why I say it's surreal mm-hmm. that it is actually erupting. And the way it, it it erupted is also so surreal. It's beautiful, but it is like really scary at the same time. Right. And I could imagine people are there actually feeling it. It's beautiful. But at the same time, it's kind of like, well, wait, I'm nuts to this volcano. I need to <laughs> I need to spare my life. I can't around and and look at this thing i have to actually you know the aftermath of volcanoes and stuff um yeah the aftermath is um it's it's something so Hmm. um wow so do you know what's happening now on the island i'm I'm sure you have family there i you already seen all the news Hmm. so yeah what's happening now on the island um yeah so you know it's on the island so the volcano erupted. Um, let, let, let's let's give a let's do a timeline. Okay. Um, the, the volcano erupted. Well, when we're recording this podcast, it erupted last Friday, which was Friday the 9th. Right. Um, and it it had multiple eruptions, and it had erupted multiple times after that. I think when people hear about volcanic eruptions, I don't think. I don't know how much we even talk about volcanoes in school. We don't. We don't, <laughs> we don't. talk about volcanoes. Just that day is this and lava comes out of it and not to be close to it. That is the three things we learn here. But volcano is not in, it's, it's not here. So I know so, for me, at least for me, I don't know about everyone else, but for me, I'm like, volcanoes are nice, but volcanoes are dangerous. They spit lava. It could burn you. You could die. So don't be near it. That's it. I don't know about yes. you. You got to walk me through it. Excuse me. So and I, I realized that evil base and, and even people in St. Vincent, honestly, like those are the those are the things that people think. People only think lava, right? Right. And I realized that even based on some of the questions that people asked me. Um, but basically, now on the island, obviously it erupted multiple times. It, it's not, and different volcanoes react differently. Mm. According to um, articles we are reading, and even the scientist who is who has done Professor Richard Robinson, okay. um, he has done an amazing job. Literally, this man, I think he deserves a Nobel Peace Prize. Wow. Because I think it was his work and his team's work that saved the lives of over 20,000 people. Wow. Because we have, because in 1979 and 1902, a lot of people died. And a lot of people died because they could not and did not evacuate in time because Obviously, technology wasn't there. Um, there weren't people learned who knew about these things. 
Um, so thousands of people died, especially in 1902, because they're also equa equating this eruption to the 1902 eruption, which was really huge. Mm. Um, and it was Professor um, Robinson um, who basically, um, literally, I remember driving home from work and, you know, I saw the, the news report. He's saying that there are multiple um, activities going on at La Soufre mm -hmm. and um, he is saying there's ma magma moving to the to the um, top of the volcano. Mm -hmm. So basically he was saying there's going to be an eruption. And then after he made that statement, then that that's when the prime minister made um, a national a statement to for evacuation. So evacuating people from the red and orange zone. Mm -hmm. Literally within, um, it wasn't even 24 hours. They literally had about um, a little bit over 12 hours before, after the prophet, um, the prime minister made the evacuation decree. After mm. that's when the volcano erupted. Um, and so after then, it has erupted multiple times. Um, in that day of eruption, it erupted a few times. So as I was saying, it doesn't only erupt one time. There's just there's not just this one bang. It it bangs multiple <laughs> times and spits out ash, lava, whatever else is coming out. And interestingly, um, so basically in St. Vincent right now, their fear is the ash, right? Mm -hmm. Ash is the big thing. So the island has been covered. Other islands within the neighbors, like Barbados, Grenada, um, St. Lucia, has been covered. And wow. interestingly, Barbados has gotten with a whole lot, a lot of it, actually, even more than St. Lucia. St. Lucia is pretty close. But, you know, that's why science is so interesting. I think yeah. these things, <laughs> um, you know, I think seeing these things in real life could really engage people in to be interested in science. Yes. Because honestly, it this was when I was like, wow, this is interesting. My sister um, studied geology and she has a master's in it. So she, mm -hmm. and actually her thesis was on volcanoes. So she understand these things in depth. And, but, it, you know, it was, it wasn't, um, if it wasn't for La Soufrière, I wouldn't probably have so much interest in how like all these things work because what we're learning is obviously the wind direction is why um, Barbados got a lot of the ash fall. Right. Though Barbados is right, literally at the northern part of the um, volcano. So it's more to the north, right where the volcano is. So basically volcano erupts, boom, Yeah. wind blows, yeah. push it all the way over to Barbados. It's so interesting. <laughs> um, but on the island, it's a lot of ash. A lot of people are... You know, especially in those times when the volcano is not erupting, they are taking the opportunity to clean off their houses and house roofs. You know, in the red zone and orange zones, I know a lot of those houses, some houses have been destroyed because ash is, think of snow. If snow never melts and snow continue to pile up on a roof, right. it will be, it will put a lot of weight on that roof. So it would be heavy. It would be heavy, and that's how a lot of houses are being destroyed, or it could be destroyed by boulders that are spit out by the volcano. Um, mostly, so basically that mostly is that. Well, I'm gonna pitch in because I study architecture, so mm -hmm. it is very important when you have a lot of about uh, architecture. I know I have to bring it up, <laughs> so we do learn about these things about wind, and mm -hmm. that's why it's so important to learn these things. But yeah. wind having a lot of dirt on top of a, a where the structure is is very important so considering the structure of a lot of houses they're not prepared for um, a lot of weight to be there and ash mm. even with mix up with rain and all that stuff a lot of the misconceptions um around how things would be about ash and and wind those are very important things to consider when talking about volcano even magma right Mm. What's the misconception there about the magma? <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah. Um, the misconception there is that all volcanoes and in all volcanic eruption is that magma is going to be the main um, attraction and it's going to be the biggest devastation. But, and again, we're all learning this. Yeah. Um, apparently, the, the volcanoes in the Caribbean and particularly the one in St. Vincent, La Soufre, um, 
doesn't spit out lava like that. Lava comes up. Obviously, before the volcano erupted, there was this lava dome that wasn't really spit out. Mm -hmm. Lava was oozing up and it formed this dome. Um, that's how they kind of knew it was erupting initially. Like it, it formed this huge dome. Um, but lava is probably one of the fears that is, is least because mm. lava will be, could be controlled or you would know where the lava is going to flow and lava isn't going to necessarily damage a whole lot of things. Right. right. Especially I could say Chateau Belair, what if lava was the only thing that came out? Chateau Belair would have never been touched. Right. Um, maybe some of those areas on the other side could have been touched because they are probably direct path down from the volcano into some villages, but there's literally no village on the western side of the volcano that um, lava would have touched. Mm. Honestly, and I've learned a lot of this after this eruption, the biggest, some of the biggest dangers of volcano is ash, is mm. ash fall. And as you see, um, because ash has not, didn't even only touch and affect St. Vincent and the Grenadines, ash has affected its neighbors, neighbors right. like Barbados, St. Lucia, Grenada. That ash is even traveling as far with the wind and the jet stream to Africa. Wow. So, um, and that's just how these things work. So the ash basically is spit up. It goes up into the atmosphere and just like clouds, it goes up as high as clouds are. And it travels with clouds and with the winds. I mean, that's, that, you know, wow. meteorology and all yeah. these things, you know. I remember when I was a kid, it was 1997, um, when Montserrat volcano erupted. I experienced ash fall in St. Vincent. And Montserrat is not necessarily directly close to St. Vincent. Montserrat is close to Antigua. Yeah. So if, 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 if it was going to affect an island, it was going to affect um, Antigua and islands around but because of wind direction and all of these things, it fell in St. Vincent. And the same is happening right now with La Soufrere. Um, So ash is one of the major threats. And also this new thing that I learned, mm. for those of us who are not, you know, study volcanology majors or whatever they call it, <laughs> uh, geology, yes. whatever, you know. Um, another th and one of the most dangerous threats I, I'm, I'm learning is this thing called pyroclactic flows. Oh, what is that? And <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so basically pyroclactic flows is what they said had killed a lot of people in Montserrat. Mm. Um, it's, it wasn't the lava, it wasn't anything else. So basically there are pictures from Montserrat of people being um, basically mummified. And I could wow. imagine um, in Pompeii, it could have been stuff like that, that, you know, Pompeii in Italy, we, we, we've learned about that story that was, Pompeii was covered um, extinct. I could imagine it's stuff like that that killed a lot of those people. The ash will be dangerous and could kill you, but the pyroclactic flows basically are um, ash mixed with hot volcanic gas mm. um, and other debris that is thousands of degrees or even hundreds of degrees Fahrenheit moving at extremely fast high speeds we're talking about over 100 miles per hour up to 500 miles per hour wow. and more at these high speeds and basically they tell you so the, the scientists that's why i said the professor deserves a nobel peace prize they knew the areas that could experience pyroclactic flows mm. and they knew the air because these are areas that are in like basically in direct flow like where lava would flow these are direct areas that you know let's say ash and all these things decide the paraclactic flows decide to flow down they would flow in that same path and so he basically said you know in these areas make sure no one is there these red zones and especially the red zones you don't need to be in these areas right and basically um that's the most dangerous or one of the most dangerous things because these hot gases with mixed with ash and other debris is moving at extremely high speed. And if you are in the way, right. there's really no way for you to <laughs> run out of the way. I know. <laughs> you will be um, obliterated by wow. the hot gas and ash and you will be burnt alive and more than likely you will be turned into one of these um, mummified type creatures 
things that you know could happen because it's going to be the ash that is covering you and it's going to be the gas with the hot hot ash that is probably going to kill you so the the lava you could run away from because lava especially if it's flowing Mm -hmm. lava usually generally and most lava runs at a slow pace yeah there could be extremely fast flowing rivers Mm -hmm. um but the examples we see from like iceland and hawaii aren't the general ways volcanoes erupt those are some good examples Mm -hmm. very (laughs) good i wow wow and i think this this conversation is so needed because misconceptions like that could Mm. could hinder help right like yeah. you have people who don't live around these areas and that's why social consciousness is so and responsibility is so key yeah. because we could think oh it erupted there's ash i hope rain falls or something or hmm. maybe maybe they'll clean it up but they don't it, it doesn't leave room to understand the magnitude of what's hmm. going on and the different players that are really at hand it could it's not just a linear thing there's so yeah. many things that are happening in this one event and it's continuous. It's not just one eruption, right? Yeah. Just that alone, people are mm-hmm. not understanding or given space to understand. That could affect how much people feel like they need to help out, right? Yeah. If people don't understand the magnitude of things, they won't feel the real need of why they need to step in and help. So. Exactly. Do you feel like right now at this moment, internationally, um, people have been of help? You know, I would say um, that from an international perspective, there has been coverage, right? And mm-hmm. I know a lot of, especially Canadian media and the British media has been talking about it. It has been on American news. It has been on world news um, because it is a major, major disaster that is happening in the world. Literally, um, the volcano is going to affect a whole lot of other things. Um, it's going to affect the, the, the economy of St. Vincent. Remember, St. Mm-hmm. Vincent is built on tourism right. and um, agriculture. So literally, these two um, economies um, are impacted by this eruption. Um, and, but I think people has been stepping in. There could be a lot more, I would say, right? Right. Um, and I think time will tell of how, what those aids will be. But I do, what I've seen, um, especially from here in New York, there are people stepping up and and, 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 and starting to collect donations and food items. Um, and I guess we're going to get from what Young Black Travelers is doing, but people are stepping up. I do think government as a whole should be stepping up more. Mm-hmm. Because I think individuals and individual organizations and groups are stepping up. Mm-hmm. But I, I would love to see governments reacting pretty quickly. Right. Because I know, so many of you may not know, I am one of the representatives here for community, at Community Board 17. And one of the things we have started to talk about, and I invite many of you, if you're in Brooklyn, to come <laughs> to our next meeting, Woo. because we, we have started to talk about, and it will be something that is going to be presented at a, our next meeting, to a vote for TPS, for Vincentian. So that's something I think the government needs to talk about, especially well, the American for government. for our viewers, or well, not viewers, listeners, <laughs> uh, <laughs> explain what TPS is and how impactful that would be for infrastructures right now yeah so tps is basically a temporary um a temporary order um or provisions for nationals um it could be green card holders not even no it's not for green card holders for people who are undocumented usually mm-hmm. um to stay in the country so therefore they would be permitted to live and work legally in that country um for a specified time frame. Okay. The last time or one of the the, the the times we've seen TPS use was when the disaster happened in Haiti. The hurricane hmm. um, basically um, affected Haiti and TPS was enacted um, for a lot of Haitians who were in the U.S. Now, our stance is that the same magnitude is happening in St. Vincent or has happened in St. Vincent. Towns may be um, decimated. Um, Towns are decimated. 
Um, the people have to figure out a way where they are going to get back to some sense of normalcy. So the 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 the, the notion is let's allow Nash, um, Vincentian nationals who are living in the U.S. Um, to stay and work um, during this time that we are allowing them to. That could be a year. That could mm. be three months, six months, two years. We don't know. But until St. Vincent get back to some sense of normalcy. So that's what TPS is. And again, it was the last time I knew it was um, utilized was during that crisis um, in Haiti regarding the hurricane. Wow. Yeah. That, that mm-hmm. yeah, that will surely help to take the pressure off of, well, will, will I be sent back home? This will exactly be because resolve that. some of these people may be living in some of those areas that when they are sent back home, they do not have a home, then that's additional pressure on that government. And when we think about it from a global perspective, and we are travelers and we are, um, you know, we are global conscious, we are conscious travelers. When we think about this, the more pressure and the burden that is on other countries and economies, the harder things, the harder it's going to be for things to come back to some sense, to a sense of normalcy. So, when we think of even here in the U.S., some people some people may think, so what does that have to do with us? Right. It is basically a stance of us saying, we are going to help you in this time so you could get back on your feet quickly because we know when all of our economies work well mm-hmm. and work together, that's just that's just a better world for us all. Yes. So um, and that's why it's so important, you know, Um Hopefully Canada, the, the UK and other countries, um, you know, step in and, 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 and do um, things that make a difference in the lives of, of probably people who are even undocumented in those countries. Right. Um, so let's not only think of the people who are in the island. Let's right. think of people who are outside the island who could be at risk to go back to these islands. Right. And we, 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 we want to make life easy for everyone so everyone could recover. Yeah, yeah. Because if, if this pandemic then teaches anything, is that we are, yeah, we're in that too, man. <laughs> <laughs> Which is another threat yeah. in Saint Vincent, right? Yes, and, mm-hmm. it's, but what this pandemic shows us is that when one thing crumbles, everything else is affected. And mm-hmm. just because we go somewhere and we go back home, doesn't mean we never affected anything. Or yeah, when we think well what has to do with us well the better question would be how does it not have anything to do with us you know Mm. we are in this world together if Mm. something happens with one economy all economies are affected and that's no different here in in St. Vincent so thank you for that thank you this was very insightful so we're gonna (laughs) take another short break it was very heavy so when we come back we're gonna do a little shout out and just you know, give some information on how you could best help right now. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. (laughs) And we're back once again. So we had such an amazing conversation about what's happening right now with the volcanoes and vents and the grenadines. He walked mm. us down memory lane and gave us a history lesson, a science lesson. So I need you to rewind us and come back again and just Should we soak do a it. test? Should uh, we do a test? Not right now, actually. <laughs> we don't have the time. We don't have the time. There's an emergency. We don't have time for tests. But <laughs> Okay, I see you're anti-test. Now. I'm very okay. anti-test. I'm very... Let's not even go there. I graduated uh, school. I don't need to go back to school. But it was gotcha. very informative, and I've learned a lot, and I hope our listeners learned a lot to what's happening, and just have these conversations and be more proactive in this matter because what affects one country affects all of us. Exactly. But before we give you those information, a special shout out is for. Yeah, the shout out today goes to um, DJ Flip. Um, so actually his real his, his Instagram handle is real 
DJ Flip. That's R E A L D J F L I P. And his name is Kujun Simmons. Um, he, honestly, I would say another Nobel Peace Prize needs Woo. to go to him. Yes. Let, I mean, come on. We, we need to <laughs> take a moment to applaud yes. this young man. Actually, you know, a, a classmate of mine, a good friend of mine. Um, and I was honestly impressed in his efforts um, in this emergency. Literally, I think many lives in North Leeward was saved because of the work of DJ Flip. So um, he was responsible on by on his own will, just on his own, um, evacuating a lot of people. He coordinated a lot of the efforts in that area, getting people out on boats, when the volcano erupted on that Friday, he and some other friends like Rayshawn um, went back in and they were evacuating people. When people had run and were like, I'm not coming back right. because I don't know if ash is going to fall on me. Um, rocks are going to come yeah. on me. Lava is going to be spilled. They're like, no, he and others came back and they basically ensured that the entire village of Chateau Belair, Fetus, Shops, um, Pity Bordel, they were all empty. And the people who were there were the people who were like, I am not going. You know, the hard-headed ones. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, and one of them was my uncle initially. Oh, uh, but I think after he experienced the first night, because they said the first night was like one of the worst they have ever seen. Wow. And they said the second day was the worst they have ever seen, ever. Literally, someone have on Facebook, have you ever seen night come about three times in a day? Literally, the volcano wow. blocked the sun wow. three about three times that day. Um, so, DJ Flip, we we congratulate you, we commend you, and we 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 take this time to shout you out. Shout out to you! Shout out to you! Yeah. Wow! So, everyday heroes, very important. Everyday. Heroes. Yes. So, for our listeners, our future everyday heroes. Uh, would you like to share how they could be of help right now, Asher? Yeah. Um, so, you know, Young Black Travels has right now partnered with the United Vincent Cultural Group of Brooklyn. Yes. Um, to do a fundraiser, we're collecting um, cash donations. Um, mm -hmm. And the reason why we're doing that is simply because we know that there are immediate needs on the island. Yes, there are people who are packing barrels and those things are pretty important barrels and containers. But we also know that um, people need direct, there needs to be a direct cash injection yeah. for the needs of people right now. Um, maybe they need medical supplies. Maybe they need a pill. Maybe they need to, to catch transportation to go to Tongue to do something. So we are sending, our goal is to collect donations to send to charities usually we're going to donate throughout the island but we're going to focus on the north leeward affected individuals yeah um and so we're going to be sending these shelters and shelter managers the cash directly so they can impact change on the ground um so that's how you can help you can basically go to um our young black travelers gofundme and percent you could talk a lot more about this yeah and basically make your donations also we again we're partnering with the united vinci cultural group of brooklyn and if you have a medical hookup if you have medical devices that you think will be helpful to, to donate um you could donate to the united vinci cultural group and they could get these devices shipped to st vincent for distribution remember this is an emergency there may be asthma patients on the island yes. who may need nebulizers. I can't imagine it that you are on this island and you are asthmatic. How much of a struggle that would be? I was asthmatic. I am asthmatic. You know, it only comes once a year now, if it ever comes. Praise the Lord. Um, but, <laughs> praise the Lord. but um, I could just imagine how, 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 how hard that will be that you are suffering from asthma or you have diabetes or you have all these other things that you are worried about your illness. Um, in this um, pandemic and in this emergency. So the United Vinci Cultural Group is another good source of donation. They are our partners. So Chrisanne, you could take it away with how they can access that information. Yes. So our listeners, how you could donate right now, uh, you could simply one or three things. 
you can go to our IG handle, Young Black Travelers Blog. So that's how it's spelled in one. You can go into our bio and there should be a link to our GoFundMe page. Or you can simply go to the GoFundMe and search for YBT Relief Fund for SBG. So I'll repeat, YBT Relief Fund for SBG. And GoFundMe, it should be easy to find. Um, and you can donate your uh, monetary donations there. Or um, if you're able to do Zelle, uh, you can Zelle to the United Fancy Culture Group at uh, UVCG Brooklyn at gmail.com. Yes, UVCG Brooklyn at gmail.com through Zelle. Um, and you can get your donation letter as well. Or, fourth thing, if you are in the New York area, you can donate items to the Busy Culture Group. And again, you can find all that information in our IG handle at Young Black Travelers Blog. Mm. Young Black Travelers Blog, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and those are the ways that you can help right now. And I know there's a yeah. lot more that are helping. Um, but for our listeners, we thank you so much in advance. Thank you. This, again, hits home for our founder, for all of us in our team. And really with this pandemic and even more of these events going on, it's now more than ever that we need her- everyday heroes, everyday young Black travelers to, to, to rise up and, you know, once again, be great. So I encourage you, be great and just have a listening ear and learn more about what's going on. Um, have an open ear and an open mind and open heart about what's going on. And um, thank you for your donations in advance. So <laughs> with that said, yeah. we're going to close this episode and just remind you, we are still in a pandemic. I know traveling is open, but the mask should still be on. You should still be sanitizing and taking precautions. Wash your hands. Yes, wash your hands. Yes. And your foot and your back side. <laughs> <laughs> but most importantly, your hands. Yes, your hands. Please, your hands. And six feet apart, socially distanced. Um, if you vaccinations are there right now, for the most part. And stay if, safe. If you would like, if you would like, mm-hmm. we're not promoting it, but you know, we have if you advice. would like. It's if you out like. there. It is out there. Um, <laughs> the option to stay safe and healthy is out there. And we wish you to stay self and stay, stay self. <laughs> stay safe and healthy. <laughs> What's wrong with you today? And I hope your families are as well. Take care, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. And, you know, stay safe. Bye. Bye bye. <laughs>